We are continuing. This is week three of the Strange Tales series. And in this series, uh, we've been talking about the strangest tales of the Bible. And so what I wanted to do was to look through the things that kind of are very weird, things that we don't talk about much, things that you don't hear all of the time. Uh, like everything in the Bible is awesome. And, you know, it's not bad to go over the prodigal son a million times because there's always something new there. But some of the things, like the first week when we talked about Jacob wrestling in the desert or the second week with the donkey talking, some of those things we never really hear about because they're kind of weird to preach about. Um, but I wanted to do that. And so we've talked about what it means to wrestle with yourself, what it means to tr learn to rely on God instead of yourself, what it means to learn who you are and grow into who you are. Um, we talked about the donkey and how God continued to reach out and continued to meet uh, Balaam where he was and continued to talk to him in a way that no one else would understand but Balaam because he goes to us individually and personally. So this week we're going to go into Matthew chapter 17 verses 24 through 27. Um, and so I actually have two scripture passages. Uh, and so we're going to start with this one. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, uh, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? So before I go on, so basically uh, at this time, the temple, the synagogue had a tax for every Jewish man and every Jewish man had to pay it, but not everyone was faithful. So like Jewish can be a faith or a race. Like you can be born Jewish if you're born in Israel and you're born of that line. And so the people that didn't really care about the synagogue, they tried to avoid it and it'd go away. So uh, when they come to, to him asking for the temple tax, it's not just, hey, you know, let's have some nice conversation. This is like trying to trap Jesus, trying to say, hey, you know, I know that this tax is controversial and a lot of people are like, this isn't fair. And some people that you like only have to pay it once a year uh, or once in a lifetime and we have to pay it every week. And so like, what's up? Uh, but they wanted him to again choose, like they did all the time. They wanted him to choose and say, no, we're not going to pay that because it's unjust. Then they could be like, what makes you different than everybody else? Why do your disciples not have to do this? Or like, yeah, I'll pay it. Then they could be like, hey, so why will you do this? Why don't you stand up for this? So that's what they wanted to do. And sometimes you're going to be in situations like that, not often, hopefully, but where people want to see how you will react. Maybe they'll push you or maybe they'll uh, question you or maybe they'll, they'll try to challenge your faith not necessarily to get you to change, but just to see what you'll do and see if you're legit or see if you'll change. And sometimes that happens and it kind of sucks, but it's happening here. Um, and so, yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, people, uh, Peter replied. Well, then Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it out and pay the tax for both of us. So that's the weird part, is the coin was in the fish. Uh, and we're going to get to that in a second. But what he is saying to Peter is, hey, you know, taxes kind of suck. And, and it's not cool to pay them, and they're hard, and sometimes they're unfair, and sometimes they're corrupt. In this one, there's a lot of controversy around it. And so we don't have to pay it because I am a rabbi, like Jesus is a rabbi, like Jesus is a teacher, Jesus is the son of God. But sometimes you do things that you don't necessarily have to in order to avoid needlessly offending people. Now that's not the same thing as being a people pleaser and you're always just going to do what everybody wants and everybody expects of you because you don't want to offend them ever. Sometimes just by living right, just by being who you are, you're going to offend people. And that sucks, but it's true. Um, sometimes... Let's say you're with a lot of friends who want to go do something that you know is wrong, like sneak out of the house or 
have a, a party that you know is a mistake or what just anything along those lines do drugs whatever and and you don't want to have to stand out because they're all looking at you and they're all like hey do this or hey you know come on join in and it can be very hard now that's not a case where it's like oh i don't want to offend them i'm going to do it you know sometimes you have to stand up for who you are and what you believe in truly but a lot of the time we kind of just don't want to do things sometimes. Uh, Paul talked about once where he was going to dinner and he didn't have, once he became a Christian instead of a Jew, uh, he didn't have the same dietary things that the Jewish people had, like where they don't eat pig and different rules for fish and all that stuff. And so he was going to dinner and somebody's like, dude, are you going to like just eat whatever you want? And he's like, I mean, I, I can eat whatever I want, but why would I do that just to offend them? Sometimes, and you notice this a lot on social media, but sometimes people... Their only goal is to offend. Uh, one of the things I notice, and there's a lot about offensive and people being offensive and all this stuff nowadays, especially with social media because there's so much like people can say what they want. They don't have to look you in the face. They can just tweet, post, TikTok, whatever they want. Uh, they can just do anything and how people react is how they react. And so there's a lot about, oh, these people are so off offended all the time and it's so unfair. A lot of the times what I notice is Christians, not everyone, but I'll see Christians, especially on Facebook, which is for old people, which I am, um, Christians talk about how easy it is to offend certain people, but they're saying it in a way that shows they're offended by it. Uh, and it's kind of like a lot of times our goal is just to offend, just to hurt someone, just to say something or just to do something only to get a reaction. And sometimes as Christians, you'll see that, like they'll post something, they'll say something, they'll do something that it's not because they necessarily want to do it, but it's because, hey, I'm allowed to do this, and so I'm going to do it in your face because I want you to feel bad about it. And that's what Jesus is saying the opposite of. He's like, hey, look, we don't have to do this, but there are people that are going to be so offended and so hurt and so questioning that it will affect their faith. Now, it's not on us to decide everyone else's faith, but Jesus is saying, hey, if it's a situation where it's not against your morals, where it's nothing that's going to completely destroy your faith or your life or hurt other people, if your only reason is you just don't want to do it, that's not a good enough reason. And so that's why he's saying, hey, let's go do this. However, and this is the cool part, he also provided a way where Peter didn't have to give his own money, like it comes out of a fish. So if you want to go from here and go fishing and find out where this was happened, you can find a lot of coins and fish maybe, probably not. But uh, the reason that's weird is obvious because... They're not coins and fish very often. But also, it shows us that God provides. Uh, I've talked about this before. Some of you have heard it. Some of you haven't. When I was in Seymour, which is where I came from originally, um, I worked full-time because I was asked to volunteer the hours that I didn't get paid for, but got paid half-time, which is very difficult uh, in terms of paying bills and paying rent and all these things. So I lived in a horrible place, and that's kind of what it was. And there were three separate times where I honestly had no idea how I was going to pay my rent. Uh, and I had no idea how I would do this. And that's where I learned the line between where we are now and being homeless is not always as thick as some people think. Like we, we think, like you'll see somebody on the street asking for money or you'll see somebody come in and they're clearly struggling or they're living in their car. And it's like, man, that must be a lifetime of things. Sometimes it's a very small thing that can happen. And so I was in a position where if these three things went wrong... I could possibly have been homeless. Now, I had friends and family I could have stayed with for a time, but it's like I then wouldn't have a home still, and even with a job. So it can be difficult. Uh, but three, those three separate times, I got checks from scholarships or colleges from way back in the day uh, that where it's like, hey, 
you know, we meant to offer you this extra thousand, we forgot to give it to you, here it is. Or you overpaid by this much. And, and you guys are not like super like old yet, so you don't deal with a lot of this stuff. But you know that most people, especially colleges, aren't like in a hurry to give you back money. And so these are clearly God providing. It's kind of like putting the the coin in a fish. And so that's what we see. And it's like, he will provide for us. That is a truth. That is actual. That is something that will always happen. It may not be in the way that you expect. It may not be in the way that you want. I'm not saying that you're going to be rich. I'm not saying that you're even always going to be comfortable. But if you continue going with him and continue following him and continue doing your best to be like him, then he will provide you everything you need. And he make sure you at least have a life that, that feels good, a life that means something, a life that goes somewhere. And he will always be with you. Now the second part, and this goes a little bit with the offense thing. Uh, this is from Matthew twenty-two fifteen through 22. Then the Pharisees met together to plot how to trap Jesus into saying something for which he could be arrested. Before I go on, just imagine that. Like, imagine that you were so angry about just Jesus. Just so angry about this guy, even if you don't believe in him. So angry about this man walking around saying, hey, treat other people better and love God. Like, just imagine that. Now, we believe who he is. I fully believe that. Like, he's clearly the Son of God. He's clearly the Messiah. He's clearly our Savior. But even if he hadn't been, the fact that they were so mad that he was just helping people, that they were walking around trying to trick him, is insane. And I think sometimes we don't really look at how insane that is, but that's what they're doing. They followed him around. They literally would follow him around to every town, every message, everywhere he went, trying to trick him. That's it. That was some of their entire life's goal. So imagine that you get hired. Then, like when you quit the YMCA and you're like, you know what, my new goal is to follow Riley around and make sure that I get her to mess up. Like, I'm just going to ask her these crazy questions. I'm going to just try to throw out math things that she's never heard of before, or I'm going to ask, like, obscure soccer rule things, or I'm going to put her in situations I'm just going to ask her. That's your entire job. Like, that's your life. You follow her around everywhere she goes. Now, for one, at some point, she's probably going to hit you. But for two, it's just so insane and such a waste of time when they could be doing other things. But so that's where we are with them. Uh, they sent some of their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to meet with him. Teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. Uh, you teach the way of God truthfully. You're impartial and don't play favorites. Now tell us what you think about this. Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Anytime somebody walks up to you and starts with, I know how honest you are, and I know how good you are, and I know how you never mess up, be sure that they're about to drop something on you, because that's what they're doing here. And they're like, hey, you know, you're so awesome, Jesus trying to, you know, make him feel good about himself and trying to trick him. And then they drop this. Do you think it's right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Caesar was corrupt. Rome was corrupt. Uh, you could easily make the case that paying taxes to a corrupt government is not right. Like, that's super easy to make. Um, but they don't care about that. Uh, I would imagine not all of them even paid taxes or they didn't care about it. Uh, but whatever it is, like, they just wanted him, again, to either say, no, I'm not going to do that. Like, we've got to fight the power. Like, we've got to stand up. And then they could be like, oh, so you get to be different again. And we don't have to follow rules and we can just pick and choose. And they wanted to do that. Or, again, they wanted him to say, yes, I pay taxes. Uh, you know, go fight, win Rome. And, and then they would be like, oh, so God's not very important to you, is he? And that's what they wanted to do. And it's insane again. But that's what they wanted to do. It was a trap. So we go to the next part. But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Uh, why are you trying to trap me? Here, show me the coin you used for the tax. 
When they handed him a Roman coin, he asked whose picture and title are stamped on it. Caesar's, they replied. Well, then he said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply amazed them and they went away. So we're back to coins and that's why I chose this. But one of the things I said this morning, I preached in the traditional is Jesus was never more harsh or upfront. He was always upfront. He was never more harsh than when he was talking to hypocrites. And so the reason for that is because uh, let's say that you are not a very strong Christian and you don't really proclaim it. You just kind of go to church sometimes, but, but you're not really, like you don't tell people whatever it is. And people see you and they know that you don't really believe. They know that you're just kind of there. They're not going to follow you necessarily. They're like, oh, whatever. Uh, but if you are a leader or you are someone who says, yes, I'm absolutely a Christian, or uh, you teach or you preach or you sing up front or anything that's up front, anything that where you're saying, I am a Christian, and you don't live like that, then that is way more harmful. That's why in Revelation, Jesus said, hey, I spit the lukewarm out of my mouth. It's like, pick. Because even though we truly believe, and he truly wants everyone to follow him, and to have this chance to go to heaven, it is far better to make a choice. To live for him, yes, but at least to not try to ride the fence. And so that's why he gets so upset. Not because he wants them to quit, not even because he wants them to die, because he wants them to get it. And he wants the people that follow him, follow them to have a chance. Because it mentions a little bit earlier, like they had disciples too. And so he sees those people and he's like, you're leading them the wrong way. How can you not get this? And so he goes at them. And so they, anyway, he just kind of goes on and he answers. And he is really smart because he's a genius and he's a gifted speaker and all of those things in addition to being the savior. Uh, but he holds up the coin and it has Caesar on it because it's a coin from the government. He's like, hey, give it to Caesar. So what he's saying is pay taxes. And that's the lesson, pay taxes. That's not the lesson. But do because you'll get in trouble otherwise. But he's not saying it's good to pay taxes. He's not saying the government is always awesome. He's not saying the government is always right. He is saying, as Christians, we are in a world that is constantly looking to trap us and constantly looking to trip us up, and constantly looking to be able to say, hey, you are clearly a hypocrite, so I don't have to go to church now. Because it's always going to be easier to tear other people down than it is to build yourself up. Like, it's always going to be easier to point out when other people mess up. So if you're watching a Christian, and you see them mess up, then you're kind of taken off the hook. That's why a lot of people who... Uh, are heavy drinkers or do drugs or whatever else you can imagine that, that, that they shouldn't do. They try to get other people to do it because if everybody else is like them, they don't have to look at themselves. Like it sh when other people make different choices, when other people stand up for their faith, that shines a spotlight on what they're doing and they feel bad about it. Um, and so he's saying, hey, again, don't needlessly go against things. He's not saying that every law is just. In fact, he says follow the just laws. Now, it can be hard to go against a law that you don't see as just because we live in a society where the government kind of controls things. But he is saying, if your morals are not put in question by this, and this includes taxes, this includes whatever else, then do what you can to not be the one that makes someone else fall. And that's why he's answering in this way. Uh, he's saying, look, I get that it's hard. And I get that it's not always fun. And I get that it's not always fair and that you're not going to be treated fairly. But I will help you through this, and I will provide, and I will give you a chance to do more and to be more if you just do your best to, to not just rage at everything that happens. Uh, one of the things that I've talked to people a lot about, uh, like adult people, but you guys too, um, Christians can kind of, like churches can kind of get caught up in this 
pattern of just raging at everything. And so by that I mean I remember people who, uh, when Starbucks used to have Christmas cups, like they were fancy and red and had Merry Christmas and snowflakes on it. And I remember people, when one Christmas they went to just plain red and didn't have designs, who threw a fit, like anger, and let's boycott Starbucks, and this is the worst thing in the world, and I'm so mad, and they posted about it, and they yelled about it, and everything else. And if that bothers you, that's fine, but... Then, if you're like, oh, Starbucks, it's the devil, and this is awful, and then at the same time, you're like, oh, man, it is horrible that children are mistreated. Now, we would, I hope, agree with that, but if someone, just looking at Facebook or just looking at your life, and they see, man, they got just as mad about a Starbucks cup as they did about injustice to children, I don't care what they say anymore. And, and so Jesus is like, listen, you can spend your whole life raging at every single thing that you disagree with. Now, I'm not saying agree with everything. I'm not even saying being quiet of everything. But if you treat everything that you don't like with the outrage of something that's truly unjust, people will never know if you're legitimately doing it for God. And so it's so important to, to follow your morals, to follow your faith, to do what you can to be an example, not just of Christian life, but of what it means to be a good person, what it means to stand up, what it means to, to follow the rules. Now, I'm not saying that I follow the speed limit because I do not. If cops are listening, yes, I do. But what I'm saying is... Sometimes the only real problem we have with something, whether it's a, a, a law or a rule or something else, is that it's kind of annoying or it's a hassle or we just don't want to do it. And in that case, it's like, what are you doing? Like, you've got to be an example. You've got to stand up. If there's ever something that someone or something, like even if it's a teacher or whatever, is like, hey, you do this and it goes against your morals and it's absolutely against the Bible, then yeah, don't do that. And there might be consequences. But... That's where you stand up, not just because it's something different and wrong. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He's like, hey, you are going to have moments in your life where you have to stand up for justice and you stand up for what you believe in. But if you treat every single moment like that, what are you doing? Like people are not going to know that. And so he's very clear with his disciples and he's very clear with us. And it's a lot of pressure sometimes, but it's something that is awesome because he is always with us. And I've said this a couple weeks ago when I preached. He will never ask you to do anything and then walk away. Like, he's never going to say, Hope, I want you to stand up for this, and then you come back in about six months, seven months, and write a paper about how it went, and we'll talk about it, we'll go over it. No, he's going to say, Hey, stand up for this, and I am with you. Now, it may still be hard, and people may turn away from you, and people may make fun of you, but it will always be worth it because he will always be with you, and it will always set an example and show who you truly are. That's all I got.